I reach out for the inside. Or from the inside. <laughs> man, I love this Peter Gabriels. Oh, man. <laughs> you're frozen. Peter's Gabriel. You're like eyes huh? are closed. Oh, never mind. Your, your image was frozen. In my eyes? Yeah. The light, the heat. You're in your eyes. I am complete. In your eyes, I see the doorway to a thousand churches. <laughs> so, yeah, we did Peter Gabriel's so. <laughs> so. From 1986, episode yeah. 17 of B-Side Ourselves. It, the moment has come. Danny, number one Peter Gabriel fan, um, has uh, we're doing it. I wouldn't say I'm the number one Peter Gabriel fan, but this album is definitely in my top five albums, if not my number one album. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I love Peter Gabriel. Of all time or just of his? Of all time. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into this, I just want to let people know also, we have a Public account. Oh my God, we do. Yeah, and you can now get our B-Side Boy on some designs or on some products if you want. You can get t-shirts. I ordered this really sick uh, baseball tee. There's stickers, mugs, face masks, because mask up, motherfuckers. If you're bougie, you call a baseball tee a raglan. Really? Yeah, that's like that's the actual name for it, a raglan. I don't want to spend the money, but there is a pillow, and it looks really fun. Is it a my pillow? No. Good. No. We're Fuck not, that. <laughs> we're not putting our Fuck shit on my, my pillow. pillow. Yeah. No. I uh, I saw some people liking the tweet, so I didn't get any orders besides mine yet. Well, and I mean, only... takes time. Well, there's only one day and fourteen hours left to get it at a discounted rate. Good news for all you folks. Um, T Public <laughs> runs that sale all the time. Oh, do they? I yeah. don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, they do. Public, so. Yeah, they run that sale a lot. So like fourteen dollars for a t shirt right now and then it goes up to twenty. Luckily that never happens again. Better hurry. <laughs> well, no, I mean they yeah, yeah. They run that yeah, they definitely run that sale a lot. So I don't really I've, care about making any money. I just want people to wear our stuff and take pictures and be like, Look at us. Yes. <laughs> Look at our shirts you're wearing. This is very cool. There's I'm really cute, cute kids' hoodies, so get everyone you know that's having a baby a kids' hoodie or a onesie, I guess. Or a twosie. I don't, I don't know. know. Is that what they do? I no, I don't know what a twosie is. I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the B-Side Boy, the cassette art that you made. I'm very excited to have it on a t-shirt. Um, Did you order yours I, yet? I haven't ordered mine yet, but that's because I've there's some other stuff I've been eyeing at T Public, and I'm... Um, from other creators, and I wanna, oh. I'm gonna make one order. Chill out. That's fair. That's fair. I don't really care. I'm excited to get my stuff. Shipping dog, you know. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I got the mug. I'm really excited to have my coffee out of a B-side boy every morning. What's coffee? I drink coffee. Oh, you don't drink coffee? No, I don't. Oh, I know what coffee is. I'm just making an old guy joke. I drink tea. Coffee. I drink tea. Which is what uh, British people drink more often than coffee. And guess who is from England? Who? Peter Gabriel. Boom. Uh, whoa, back. whoa, wait, brought it back. 
So yeah, do you do you have any personal history with this album, Josh? Um, <laughs> no, I have a very, very limited personal history with Peter Gabriel in general and this album. Um, the only Peter Gabriel songs I knew prior to this week were from this album. Uh, in your eyes, I've known for a long time. I don't know if the first time I heard it, I don't think the first time I heard it was when I saw Say Anything. I think I heard it before that. Um, I really, really, really like that song. And then I vaguely knew Sledgehammer uh, because of you. Um, I think you showed it to me and then showed me the video, the very, very, very successful music video. Um, And then I learned from a gag on How I Met Your Mother, which is a show I'm embarrassed that I watched all the way through. But there was someone made a uh, Barney made a joke about um, um, Peter Gabriel getting back with Genesis. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that Peter Gabriel was in Genesis. And then it took me down like a Wikipedia rabbit hole. And so this is that would would have been when that show was actually on the air. So this is quite a long time ago. Um, but still, when as an adult, I learned that Peter Gabriel was in Genesis. All right, so. real quick, let's clear the air on this because I know it's a funny joke. Peter Gabriel is the best solo. Peter Gabriel, when he was in Genesis, was too artistic, and I didn't love a lot of the stuff. Phil Collins in Genesis, as a lead singer, is amazing. That's my favorite Genesis period. However, Phil Collins outside of Genesis is just mad to me. <laughs> I think he has been more commercially successful than Peter Gabriel, but I think that's also because Peter Gabriel is an artist. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, Josh. Wait, wait. Oh make no, me I'm feel saying good. that in the way that when when you're like, they're artists, Josh. Like when I was mad oh. that that one band uh, didn't play their biggest hit at the concert, and you were like, <laughs> they're artists, Josh. And I'm like, no, you play the song I want to hear if it's the biggest hit. Um, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know though. Honestly, there's a there's a lot of songs that I couldn't even tell you if it was Genesis or if it was a Phil Collins solo. Like I, I like you play a song that Phil Collins is singing on, I recognize the voice. I could tell you, yeah, that Phil Collins is singing that song, but I couldn't necessarily tell you on some of them if it was a solo song or a Genesis song. There's some that I know that they are, but there's a bunch that I. I don't necessarily know. You probably know Another Day in Paradise and In the Air Tonight. No, I know. I'm just saying I'm like, I couldn't tell you necessarily which ones are which. That's all. Well, we're on a small Phil Collins detour here. He did a song called Against All Odds, which is a beautiful song. But the Postal Service covered it for the movie Wicker Park. And that is an amazing version of that song. Like, truly beautiful. That's all. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard it, but I'm guessing my opinion uh, would not be the same as yours, that that's a better version, just because of my feelings about Ben Gibbard's voice and my feelings about Phil Collins' voice. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. You don't like Ben Gibbard's voice? I understand not liking Death Cab Live because they're slow and chill, and maybe that's not the atmosphere you're going for, but you don't like Ben Gibbard's voice? I don't love it, and I definitely like Phil Collins' voice better. I don't know shit. (laughs) All right, let's get into the Epic album. Oh, wait, my backstory. I don't have a big one except for my mom introduced me to this album at a very young age. You know, um, she had it on vinyl and then CD, but I do like 
it's always been in my life. I feel like so has always been there. And it, I, his voice in this album, the style of the rock pop that he does, like the creativity in every track, this album is perfection to me. I'm only sad it's only nine songs long. <laughs> it's true. Not everything you, can be Nimrod. Yeah. <laughs> 18 tracks. I thought you'd be excited about that. I was like, it's only nine songs, so Josh only has to go through nine of them. I do like that some of these older albums we're doing are a little bit shorter because it makes prep easier, but, um, you know, whatever. If the music's good, I don't care how many tracks it is. I mean... Good. Good. So, Just going back to Phil Collins for one second, uh, the reason I think that you brought that up is that, as as you've already seen... um, I don't actually know a whole lot about Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, or Genesis. But once I found out that Danny loved Peter Gabriel, it became a joke of mine to, to get into like silly, uh, like funny arguments about Phil Collins being better than Peter Gabriel <laughs> when I don't actually have any stake or opinion in the matter, just doing it to toast uh, Danny's nuts. So that's uh, <laughs> that's where that came from. And I think it's worth noting. So. It's a good time, everyone. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah. Okay. Stat sheet. Oh. <laughs> I liked your sound effect better than mine. Released on May 19th, 1986. It's uh, Peter Gabriel's fifth st- studio album, and I'm pretty sure it's his first album that wasn't just named Peter Gabriel. <laughs> right? I don't know. I think the first four are just named Peter Gabriel. And then, like, subsequently, people have, like, made them, like, Peter Gabriel 1, Car, Peter Gabriel 2, you know, Scratch or whatever, based on the album cover. But he didn't want to put, like, titles on there because it, like, took away from the album art. You just blew my mind because I've listened to these a long time and I always thought the album title was Car or Scratch or melt which makes sense now because the albums look like it's melting or there's a car and well that's the thing is yeah i don't think he ever i don't think peter ever named them i think they were either named via like fans and record execs because that's i mean what i was reading is that he they were never actually named that those things were just added but those those like subtitles are everywhere now to differentiate them um so I don't know, like their actual, the actual reality on that, but yeah, they Ooh. were. Peter's intention was for them to just be Peter Gabriel. I know Maybe you I don't, know. but have you ever heard the song Salisbury Hill? No, but I know that's another big song. Oh my god, it brings tears to my eyes. Um. Okay. That's on car. This, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Number one on the UK charts, number two on the US charts, five times platinum here in the States, three times platinum in the UK, uh, nominated for album of the year at the Grammys, and it lost to uh, a Paul Simon album that I can't remember the name of now. Um, And one other just little note, uh, so has been described as Gabriel's most commercially accessible and least experimental album, which was a very scary thought on my <laughs> behalf. If I, you won't like it at all, but if you ever get a chance, just try to listen to Peter Gabriel in Genesis, like their first couple of albums. Well, I, so I was reading about their like live performances and <laughs> stuff. And I was just like, 
oh wow this is totally different than invisible touch and i can't dance this is like this is wild um and you know i i was gonna say this like later on when i was doing final thoughts um but i will say that for me experimental like weird stuff is either like hit or miss like Childish Gambino, he does a ton of weird stuff, and I like most of it. And then sometimes artists do, and I'm not even saying like Peter Gabriel, because I've, I've definitely listened to stuff that's like way more artsy and experimental than than so. Um, yeah. But sometimes it just doesn't hit for me, and no matter how much I try to like force myself to to get into it, um, I will tell you. Uh, do you want me to to like calm you a little bit? Yes, please. Okay, so. I will say that my feelings have mellowed since I tweeted on Ugh. subsequent listens. So Is Josh that... tweeted earlier in the week, and what did you say? I said Danny's going to be really mad at me, I think, is what I said. I've been stewing about it all week. I've been telling Anne, I'm like, I'm going to fight Josh on this podcast all night. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, on first listen, <laughs> um, well, part of the problem is I, I was running – or no, I was driving to work and I was tired on the first listen and like a lot of mellow songs on this on this joint here. And uh, <laughs> it's like whew, it was, I was having a hard time. So um, but yeah, definitely with more listens and lyrical analysis, uh, I'm feeling better. So. All right. That's the stat sheet and the personal histories. Did you look up what each song is about? I did. Okay, so and that's did that help change your mind? Because I know no. his way of writing is very almost obscure in some senses, but okay. No, actually, it, uh, I'll get into it, but it actually changed my opinion negatively about some songs. So, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> maybe just one. Is it in your eyes? Yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> All right, track one. Wait. <clears throat> Track one, Red Rain. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. This song is amazing. I do. So I like this song. Um, this is not one of the songs I was weirded out by. I love the atmospheric feeling of it. Um, the chorus is like really simple, but it's really good. Um, I think it's interesting how like, I don't know what it is about the way he's singing the chorus, but his vocals are like scratchy. But they don't need to be like he can sing like higher. Maybe he's going too low for his like normal range. And that's why it's getting that way. I, I, like it works. But I was just like, that's interesting because I know he can like sing higher than he's singing on the chorus. I was yeah. like puzzled by it and kind of like thinking, trying to figure out what was going on there. Um, fun fact I learned about this one. Peter doesn't like symbols. And he had to be talked to and in, talked into at the beginning when you hear that. Mm-hmm. Like the symbols drive, because he really hates the sound of symbols, I guess. But he loved it after the way this drummer was like, "Well, just listen, see what I can do, see how this works." Do you um, know? I, do you know? Oh, go ahead, keep going. It's a powerful and great concept, you know, holding in pain until finally it just like breaks, raining down, you know, and all that. The stress of holding something in so strong. This con- song can get me very emotional if i'm thinking about people i've lost or terrible tragedies and shit like i have cried to this song i don't always cry to it. i'm just saying like there it's have been emotional. times in my life yeah and i know it's like the in the deep part of it is about holding in pain and it all just coming out but like i know he also had like 
a dream where there's two walls of like the red ocean and like little spigots or whatever he was talking about in his dream where it was like pouring down. <laughs> what were you going to say? Um, well, yeah. So just to to continue on that, it's a series of dreams. Swam in a pool of red wine, saw wine shaped bottles of people falling off a cliff. Uh, once the bottles smashed to the pieces at the bottom, they would leak a red fluid, which began to rain the red rain. Um, and he, I guess he had an idea for a movie and it, this like in the late seventies that, uh, it was going to be called Mozo. And it was about a group of villagers who would be punished for their sins by an enduring blood red rainstorm. Um, it never came to fruition, but there, uh, this song was going to be the theme. And then like, there's traces of this story and other s- songs of his, uh, on the air, down the the Dolce Vita, which Dolce Vita is Italian for sweet life. Um, I just knew that because I knew that. I didn't look that up. Um, And then here comes the flood and exposure. Um, So, but the other thing, uh, when you're talking about the symbols, um, actually, so most, the hi-hat, like the rain-like background sound was played by Stuart Copeland of the police. Oh, I didn't know who um, did it. I just yeah. So yeah, he was requested to do that by Gabriel because of his mastery of that instrument, and then the rest of the drumming was provided by like the regular drummer, drummer Jerry uh, Murata. So I feel bummed because I on Tubi I knew there was an actual show about like epic albums, like they go yeah. through and like talk to the artists. I started watching. There's one on this album, and like. Two nights ago, I started to watch. So that's where we learned the symbol thing. But then, like, I only got like thirty minutes in before I passed out, and I haven't been able to pick it up yet. So I don't have a bunch of fun facts to learn from that. But I'm going to go back to it because I'm very excited by finding that. I like the bridge on here too. When he's like screaming "Red Rain" in the background, like intermittently. I don't know. Doesn't? I mean, I know there's slow songs, but even the slow songs doesn't every song on this album seem epic? Like just the way it's produced, everything's just like so powerful. Whether everything it's has sad, like, powerful, or yeah. high, powerful. A, a lot of songs on here have like a very. I don't know. I say this a lot, and I don't know what I'm actually describing, but just like they have this like atmospheric, like, and I think it's part of it is just the like the keyboards that he uses for that like synthy sound, like yeah. it's kind of filling the space. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's true about a lot of them. Even the songs I do like and songs I don't like have that like epic uh, and also, like, feeling to them. It's intense to think about that this was made in '86 or '85. I don't know when it was made, but it came out. Recorded in '85, came out in '86. Yeah, this was analog. Like they weren't doing digital yet. Like right. Imagine like all the takes and all the hours. It took them a year from the documentary I saw. It, like a year to the day of recording this whole album. Just like imagine all the work that went into every sound that's in this album. Oh yeah. No, it always blows my mind with anything like that. Like, you know, like half those, like all those rush albums with all the beeps and boops and synth in them, like uh, all from like the early to mid eighties. It's wild. So these like epic older albums we're listening to like Iron Maiden, like if, if you really sit down and think about the sound you hear on the Beatles albums, like these are incredible albums, not only because of the musicians, but the production that goes into this shit, like rush and everything like, wow, 
yeah. those people, the producers back then compared to producers now, which I can't wait to get into in our weekly re- recommendations when we want to, I want to tear Bieber apart, but we'll get to that <laughs> after. Not just the article you sent me, but a bunch of articles I've read. But anyways, let's move on. All right. Track two, Sledgehammer. Um, so I like the horns. I like the horns. I do like the horns. Um, this this song I obviously already knew. I will. It's you know it's heavily influenced by '60s soul. The horns are actually um Wayne Jackson of Memphis Horns. Um, who like that's it's it's the like the people that inspired him, he got to be on the song, which is kind of wild. That's pretty cool. Um, and I like, I like the song. It's, it's very much, a. I I don't say this to be sacrilegious, but it kind of reminds me of like that eighties pop, like quirky eighties pop, like Huey Lewis. Yeah. No, I see Um, that. And I don't say like, I like that stuff. So I'm not saying that as in a bad way. I think this is a little bit more like, experimental than Huey Lewis kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I will say once I realized that it was about like, it was sex. about sex, I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like it as much. Cause I was like, what? Oh, you're, you're bragging about your dick. That's lame. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, you he's, know, he's talking about sex, breaking through barriers, you know, in, uh, in sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. what's your favorite, uh, you know, symbolism lyric in it? I don't. I don't know. Oh, I, don't... I love the. You could. You could have a bumper car bumping. This yeah. amusement I'll, I'll never ends. <laughs> I will tell you that the first like two times I listened to it, I thought he was saying fruit cakes instead of fruit cage. <laughs> that doesn't work. Like, open that's up your fruit cakes. Up. I'll be your honey bee or whatever. Like I was like, oh, that's an interesting lyric. I don't understand that, but, um, yeah. This this uh, this song though, uh, Sledgehammer was is his only number one hit in the U.S. But That's insane inter- to me. Interestingly enough, do you know what song it knocked off? Uh, what I don't. Invisible Touch. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's which was, good. Which was yeah. Genesis's only number one hit. Wow, what a slap in the face of Genesis. <laughs> yeah. So they did all right. But I do love Invisible Touch too. So that is a good song. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is that like this this song. Oh, one more thing before I slide onto that. The uh, it was nominated for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Didn't win any of those, but it was nominated. And but then the music video is like huge, right? So. I don't know, like, I tried to see if this is still true, but at, at least at one point, um, at least still recently, it was MTV's most played music video to date. Oh. Um, the the video is almost entirely stop motion, and it was created with the help of uh, Ardman Animations, which is the company that, would, uh, that made Wallace and Gromit, which I feel like we've already talked about that with someone else, and I can't Did remember... We? Yes. For Sledgehammer or Wallace and Gromit? What, like someone else used Aardman's animations for something, and now I can't remember. It does not sound familiar to me, what but it maybe. Was. Maybe it was your Star Wars podcast. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. Um, 
but yeah, and uh, but it won a record nine MTV music video music awards. Hell yeah, seven MTV mu- video music awards. So that's that's wild. I mean, granted, there wasn't as much competition yeah. uh, in '87, but you know, that's still that's still crazy. So, do you have any more on the song? No, I, uh, you know, I like it. Uh, it's not like my favorite song ever. I'm a little weirded out by it being about sex, but, um, you know, I like it. It's it's a catchy, quirky but, '80s pop song. But why does that weird you out, Josh? Because we listen to songs nowadays that are about sex. Like, are you not sex positive? I don't understand. Why would that bother you? Um, no, I think it's just the, like listening to a song a bunch and then finding out that like uh, the sledgehammer is his dick uh, is weird. That's all. <laughs> um, I know people can write songs about whatever they want, but usually like I don't necessarily like love I'm I'm okay with songs about sex, but I'm not like. Oh, I didn't hey, think you were that, against. Turn on it. that one. Yeah, no, it's. I'm just, you know, it's whatever. I, I mean, I do get that. Like, I didn't know Watermelon Sugar was about what it's about for the first couple listens. I don't know what it's about either. So it's I about to it like one time going down on a lady friend. Oh, which doesn't ruin the song for me, but it's it's a weird moment when you're like, oh, that's what it's about. <laughs> Watermelon Sugar High. <laughs> Interesting. Right. You learn something new every day, folks. Track three. Don't give up. <laughs> did you did you did you just co sign everything I said? You didn't I feel like I I don't want to take away from your uh No, I mean about the you actually hit. said a lot of the stuff I talked about. I just mostly am gushing about this album. I want you to know. Or I want I want to hear your opinions on this album. Okay. I think this album is perfect. I've already said that. There's only one song that's not my favorite, but we'll get to that. Okay. Track three, so, Don't Give Up. <laughs> yeah, featuring Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah. I like Kate Bush. Mm. Do you not like Kate Bush? I'll get into it. Oh, dang. Uh, fifth single, um, it was a top 10 hit in the UK, Belgium, and the Netherlands, and a minor hit in the United States. Um, it was a duet with Kate Bush, who sang back up on Gabriel's third album, uh, commonly known as Melt. Uh, Peter Gabriel's original choice for the duet was Dolly Parton. Uh, she turned him down, and he actually was okay with that because he really liked how the song turned out with uh, Kate's vocals. Lastly, this song is inspired by the Depression-era photography of Dorothy Lange. Uh, Peter Gabriel discovered her photography through a book of FSA photography titled In This Proud Land. So I heard he it was saw, inspired like, by a bunch of different stuff. Like, I've heard different stories and how the song was inspired, but basically it's like a super fucking inspirational, strong song about like, you know, don't fucking give up. Yeah. <laughs> The song gives me goosebumps still. Yeah, it says that he saw a parallel between like depression era farmers and those suffering from like economic downturn in in Britain and that it was like a song that was a narrative of like a man who lost his job due to Margaret Thatcher's economic policies. <laughs> man, so by the book. Get her. <laughs> yeah. So um But what are your thoughts on the song? I would really like this song. You would? I would. You don't like Kate Bush. 
I the I don't the warble <sighs> the warble in her voice grates at me so hard. Like I like I like the way the song sounds, like the instrumentation. I like the vocals. Uh like I like the lyrics. I like Peter's melodies. I don't even necessarily dislike the melodies of the Kate Bush parts, but just the tone and the warble in her voice. I don't know. Can't do it. Do you not like the album Hounds of Love? I don't even know. It's like her big 1985 album. It's got like running up that hill. Um, trying oh, to think I, cloud I listened busting. to her debut single after I listened to this because it was like her biggest song or whatever. And, Wuthering Heights, and I was like, oh, no. I actually don't know that album. I only know the one, but, man, I yeah. love Kate Bush. Um, I, I was also... a different kind of 80s guy. I liked my Peter Gabriels and Kate Bushes. <laughs> yeah. And you liked um, your, what are some 80s rock bands that we just, what's the one we just did? Iron Maiden? No, Rolling Stones. <laughs> I, I don't like Rolling Stones. I thought you did it. All right, whatever. <laughs> I only knew one song on that album we did. We did. <laughs> I mean, Rolling Stones hits are fine. I also wouldn't really classify them as an 80s band. They're more of a, I mean, they were around, but they're more of a 60s and 70s band. But Oh, yeah. That album we did was from 1971. <laughs> Ding dong. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing I was going to say, I don't like the, I also feel like on the bridge where there's that little like keyboard part, where it sounds like a, a piano. Like it doesn't yeah. seem to fit in the rest of the song and I don't really like that either. Oh my gosh. Um. Now, so I I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, I liked most of that song and her vocals are just I feel bad. I hope this Kate Bush isn't going at, as Chris bad Caraba, as I thought. Chris Caraba, please don't tell Kate Bush that <laughs> I'm saying these things about her. I'm sure she's a really nice lady. Maybe, anyway. maybe if we keep talking about her, Kate Bush will also listen. So we'll have two famous people listening. <laughs> yep. We love you, Chris. We love you, Kate. <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the song other than it's, I, it's really... This one also made me really sad after my dad's passing. Yeah. Do you remember what my dad looked like? Um, Vaguely. Like I never met your dad, but I've seen pictures. So he looks yeah, like that Peter picture. Gabriel now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm actually looking at a picture of Peter Gabriel right now. Like, so like, yeah. But the song it connects to just like the sadness I felt and not giving up on it, but or anything. Oh yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Track four, the voice again, or that voice again, or that judgment again, judging me, girl. Mm. <laughs> oh, what did it's I one think of about this one? Fighting your feelings about not being good enough, the demons in your head saying like, "You suck, judgmental, judgmental, judgmental." Blah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this Gabriel himself says this song is about judgmental attitudes being a barrier between people. He says that. I saw that article. But whenever I listen to the song, it's like all the lyrics point towards like it's your inner demons 
judging you and like you're just getting past that. But that's just what I take away from the song. Not other people necessarily. Yeah, uh, I like this song. I like the chorus a lot. Um, in the, I was going to say the musical shift. I wrote the musical shit. I didn't notice the <laughs> typo. Wow. Um, the musical shift between like the chorus and the verses, like, like they're very different. Um, and it's interesting. I like it. I didn't like it at first, but then it grew on me as I continued to listen. So good, good. Yep. That's that's all I that's got. That's all I got for I, two. Yeah. yeah. Track five in your eyes. Oh, we're doing the we're doing the vinyl order. Okay. Nope, I'm switching it up because interesting fact, Peter Gabriel wanted this to be the I found this very interesting and I found it out in that documentary. He wanted this to be the last track on the album. But the only reason it wasn't the last track on the album is because the heavy bass in it and your needle is not getting the right skip. I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting. I've never thought about like how the needle is affected the further in it goes on certain like on deep bass tones and stuff. Yeah, see, and I don't know enough about how vinyls work to even understand that. But that yeah, I saw that too in my research and that's that's really cool. I, I put it as five on my list just to make sure we acknowledged the difference. But yeah, that's that's wild. I'm glad that Spotify switched it you know, to the well, end, th- like how it should. I'm sure yeah. he did, but well, so it's not. It's only number five. It's only number five in the first song on uh, the B side on the vinyl release only. If you, yeah. if you, even if in the '80s you bought it on cassette, it was it at was the, the end. ninth track. Yeah, um, and then uh, C- subsequent CD releases and remasters and stuff. It's the ninth track. So. Um, yeah, just a super interesting fact about that song. <laughs> Very cool. So we're gonna we're gonna save that one for the end then. Yeah, we're going to Mercy Street. And on a really strong note, Mercy Street. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, it grew on just like the the last song. It grew on me with subsequent listens. Uh, it kind of feels like a poem. Like yeah. he's not even, which is interesting cause, based on where it came from. But it's like. Uh, Wait, did you read about where it came from? Yeah. Oh, oh did okay. I read for, for us or? No, I mean you said it almost sounds like a poem, so I yeah. don't know if you actually knew. Yeah, no, it's it's inspired by poet Anne Sexton, specifically her poem Forty Five Mercy Street, which Gabriel read in one of her anthologies. Yeah, I dream of one day writing a song this effective at setting a depressing or despairing mood. This song is so sad sounding. I mean, yeah. lyrically, it's not like the worst thing, but the tones, the like background noises, it's sad. If well, if you know more about Anne Sexton, it becomes oh, I, more sad yeah. too. I have a couple like interesting factoids about this song. Okay, um, go for it. The so the song was recorded in, in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and is inspired by. Native Brazilian foro music. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, and so while uh, they were listening to the recording, uh, like they were listening to the song during recording it, um, the tape player accidentally played it back like 10% slower than originally recorded. And he liked it, so he kept it that way. Oh. So the actual like raw recording is faster than this, the, you know, what we got in the studio here. And then the other f- fun thing um 
is his his harmony vocal is actually one octave lower than the main vocal and they had to record it like right after he woke up because that's the only time that like he his range was low enough to do that is like when he first woke up that's you know your voice is deeper when yeah first, yeah so they yeah, i was like that's that's cool that's a like that's a very interesting fact so coincidentally this is one of my favorite vocal choruses of his like how low he gets with Mercy Street at some points and how high he gets with the, like every other part of the chorus. Like I think the chorus is sung phenomenal. Yeah, I love the vocal melody on the chorus. I will say I did write it's still weird and too long, but I like it more than I did originally. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Track six. Big time. Tell me you love the song. Please tell me you like the song. God damn it. Least least favorite song. Are you kidding me? Least favorite song that's actually a song. Oh. Because I, I, don't, I don't really classify what we do what we're told as a song. I think that's an interlude and he's, he's trying to fool you. No, I think, oh, we're going to get into that too. I mean, you did research. You know about Milgram 37, right? Just like, because it's about something important doesn't mean it's a song. Ooh. All right, big time. Hi there. <laughs> yeah this um, song makes me insanely happy the confidence that he's singing is like addicting i grew up i grew up in a small town north adams drome and i know this song is satirical about like success and making it huge but i still used it as like uh i want to be in a big town someday i want to be somebody i want to try new things get out there experience more and also this makes me think of do you ever watch Futurama? Yeah. So there's an episode called Future Stocks where they unfreeze a guy from the like 90s and he's like a business dude. I don't remember it specifically. Maybe if wow. I saw it, I would remember. So he takes over Plan Express, but he's like very like, oh, he's 80s, 80s business guy. And the song always reminds me of him. I, I just It's a fun song and it's satirical. It's just like making fun of this big, successful ambition. How do you not like this song? I don't know. It's it's kind of like a sledgehammer with not as good melodies. I think the thing that that led it to me not, to not like it is that I feel like it's not like super lyrically deep, and like everything else is on this album, um, except sledgehammer, I guess. Uh, and it, I don't know. It's just. I don't hate it. I'm just saying it's I would don't love it, I guess. I don't know. So this is more of the kind of thing I was. (laughs) That one hurt you guys. Yeah, I understand. I'm not liking Kate Bush, but. oof. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe if I had a better chorus or I'm I don't know. I'm not sure. All right. right. I uh, so this song, I guess they. They did like a fretless bass and it and like or no, they worked the frets of the bass while hit um the drummer hit the strings with drumsticks and it gave you that weird percussive sound. Yeah. Uh song was also number eight on the hot one hundred, got up to number eight. And a very fun factoid that I found out that is gonna blow your mind big time was used as the in 2006, as the main theme for 
WrestleMania 22. Wild. So track seven, we do. <laughs> you got nothing told. to say about that? No. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't think that's well, it was cool. A, it was, I was a just like, theme of WrestleMania and you still don't like the song? Hey, there's a lot of things about wrestling I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so track seven, we do what we're told. The Milgram's 37. It's, it is just like an interlude. However, I think musically it's really cool. And then yeah, the I don't, story behind it, I think, is really cool. Like, I don't consider it a full song, but I think I don't, it's a very yeah. interesting song. I don't dislike, like, what we get out of it. Like, I think it sounds cool. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> I wrote, it's fine. It doesn't do much for me. <laughs> That's what I, I know you're not going to see it, but for some reason, just, like, knowing the story and the way, like, it, yeah, like, no, that holds you in suspense. Like, you know how it holds you in suspense through the whole, like, track? It reminds me of like a Coed and Cambria middle song, like between two like epic songs. Yeah, I feel that. But, so should we tell people what the what it's in reference to? Yeah, so, in case they don't know. Yeah, there was a obedience experiment carried out by Stanley Milgram. Uh, Milgram's 37. I guess there was actually so it's for 37 participants, although there were technically actually 40. So I'm not sure what that is. But the experiment was devised to see if it could be possible that the Nazis were just, quote-unquote, following orders, as Adolf Eichmann stated during his trial for war crimes. Um, so it involved three people, Milgram, an accomplice acting as a volunteer, and then the actual volunteer. And basically what they would do is one volunteer, the volunteer that's a real person is the teacher, the actor is like a student, and then Milgram is like leading the exercise. And so basically... Um, he, Milgram would give the volunteer, like the actual volunteer, word pairings to teach the uh, the actor, and then he would quiz them. So then, for each wrong question, he basically made they they would give the the volunteer like a shock yeah. to show him what it is. And Think then Ghostbusters at the beginning. Yeah, no, it's totally like Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, and then basically, they would. There, the actor was like on the the other side of like a partition, so he couldn't actually see him. Yeah. And so he would press the button anytime he got it wrong, and it would give it would it they were pretending that it would give a shock to the actor, and then the actor was just acting out that he was in like that it hurt or whatever. And um, each time they got something wrong, the shocks were supposed to go up. And so um, that you know the actor would scream in pain, and it was all fake or whatever. But then so. The um the the experiment would only end if the volunteer either conti- continued to object to doing it after a series of like four commands. Um, you know, he would say stuff like the experiment requires that you continue. You have no other choice. You must go on. Um, or the other way it would end is if the volunteer gave the actor three four hundred and fifty volt shocks, which obviously not actually doing, but that's what they think they're doing. Um, and in the first round, 65% of subjects gave the final round of shocks. They got all the way to the end. Um, although it does say that like most people were in like a severe state of discomfort, like they didn't like what they were doing. And, um, they usually like question, like every one of the subjects like questioned whether or not they should be doing what they're doing, but they still, but yet more than half of them like still saw it through to the end. Um, and I guess they, they actually did this experiment like, a lot of different times in a lot of different places and still got very like similar results. So yeah, we definitely do what we're told. 
<laughs> and actually, I read that 37 came from the number of subjects who administered the maximum shock in, other, in oh, one of the experiments. there you go. 37 out of 40. Perfect. I'm glad you had that, that tidbit. Yeah, yeah. So that's all to say about it. It is a, it's a fun Hold You in Suspense song. Oh, I lied. Um, what did you Big lie Time about? Big Time is not my least favorite song. Oh, good, because track eight, This Is The Picture, Excellent Birds, is my least favorite song I on the album. I don't like this song at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. it's not skippable to me. Let me tell you why. I imagine like a group of old people bird watching because the name of the song, Excellent Birds. And you know at the end of the song when like the girl's like standing on their heads, watch out, like just repeating stuff. I imagine yeah. like everyone doing what she's saying. It's not a very good thing to imagine, I guess. But yeah, I just I said artsy weird song that does nothing for me. It's not. It's my least favorite song on the track, but I don't hate it. It was also yeah, I don't hate it. I'm just saying it's my least favorite song. Like this isn't something I'm gonna be like, hey, put on this is the picture, Danny. And I would be like, excellent birds. And put it on for you. Um, and so it's worth noting that this song's not on the vinyl release. Yeah. It was added later. I mean, that's so. all I got to say about that one. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, that's that's all I got. All right. Track nine In Your Eyes. I love Iconic. this song. Iconic. Love it. <laughs> love it. I wrote. Um, I really love this song. I love the verses. I love the intensity of the pre-chorus. I love the ambiance of the song with the keyboards. I love the drums. <laughs> so I know what you're referring to when you say when you learn something, it makes you less like the song. Yeah. Or whatever. Like I know in an interview he said Not that, that much, this, but the song know. could be a love for someone or a love for God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you see that in the music video too, because they show like Buddhist temples and and yeah. like Christians, uh, like Renaissance art and stuff like that. I will say that I think that the the cool thing about that, like, so you know, the 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 purpose that he had in making it like ambiguous and it being like a blurring of love, romantic love and love for God is that that's like something he was doing that, like as an homage to, to African music, which does that a lot, I guess. So yeah. that like that piece of that is cool. But I was like, Oh, I don't want this to be like a praise and worship song. This is a song about a girl. No, I, like, I still know. don't think it, I consider no. this one of the most romantic songs ever. Yeah. One. Yeah. Of them. Oh yeah. The, did you not know, even because of John Cusack and say anything it's and it's like every the lyrics and everything. Popular lore is that this song was written for Rosanna Arquette, who Whoa. lived with Gabriel in the 80s and 90s. Dun, Do you want to go into Yuso and Dor? I'm sure you looked up a bunch of facts about Um Yuso. I mean, I only have that, you know, it's he's a Singalese uh, superstar who, um, like, the coda that he's singing in the end is, like, basically a very close translation of the chorus to his native... Uh, Wolof. I don't know if that's how you say that, but that's his native language, which is cool. That's I don't know anything else about him though. Um, I know he's prominently featured in the song Biko, B I K O, another Peter Gabriel song. The music okay. video is really intense and really good and really political and strong. But yeah, 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 yeah. So no, this is, is a really so, great song, and. What is your overall opinion of so, Josh? Hold on, one more thing. Oh, okay. 
I'm always down for more. I there's one lyric in here when he says like the the grand the grand facade like that. He <laughs> the like when he's he's talking about that, he's talking about like the fact that he's like or at least to me, like he's hiding he's the what he's hiding from the person like about his real self is like going to burn away because he's so in love with her. Like yeah. and he's he's coming to her as his like true self, which I like is a coming from the inside like I that's like a really powerful and it's kind of funny because I don't think I ever really like thought about the lyrics that much until which this is a song that I know all of the lyrics like I could but you never I thought could, about I them. could karaoke this song and not look at the monitor right but like I yeah. um so yeah oh yeah um I totally pronounced facade wrong <laughs> did you yeah you're rubbing off notice. on me oh no <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's because you That's didn't me. like Peter Gabriel's. Um, no, <laughs> you know. All right. Um, Overall opinion. Um, we know mine. So before listening to this album, I expected it to be uh, like an 80s pop album. It's really not like in its entirety at least and that kind of surprised me. I wasn't really aware that he's like an out of the box like artistic like world music like artist he's an artist kind of guy. Um yeah. that the kind of artist that I make fun of you for liking. Um <laughs> but and like I said before there this kind of stuff is usually hit, hit or miss for me but I I also think that I had really high hopes for this because my expectations were built up a lot because you were like, this album is incredible. But like, um, and I'm not saying like it's your fault or anything, but it's like, um, so that kind of like threw me off. Um, he is really talented. I love, I really, really like his voice and his vocals. Um, but there is stuff in this album that was kind of weird and didn't hit for me the way I wanted it to. I probably give it like, it's hard because I'm thinking about other albums that are really like I really really like that I only gave like a, an eight. Um, so I would probably say this is like a six out of ten. <laughs> this is but a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, and I, it's just I can't ten dog. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't rate it higher than albums like I loved because there was like. A song or two that are a song I loved, a song or two that I really liked, and then a lot of songs that I like had to listen to three or four times before I was like mid range with it or or liked it a little, you know. Okay, I'm not gonna judge you. Like, you like what you like. Yeah, I would I would say that uh, the songs that I like I like enough that I wouldn't skip them. There's probably only two songs that I would skip on here. Is the last two before in your eyes? Two. And maybe big time if I'm bored, but but there's a lot of songs that I really like that I skip a lot of the time when I'm in the car. So, you know, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, this is, you know, I think this is more about me than about the album too. It's just not in my taste. That's all. So, I mean, I also grew up with this album. It's been around yeah, me for a totally changes. Forever. Yeah, yeah. No, if I was listening to this with my mom in the car and. 1987 1988 i would have been probably way more into it i do love like in your eyes though like top 25 songs of all time on my list probably so and not everything i listened to my mom with held over like i was because of her obsessed with the police for a long time 
And I don't mind the police. Don't get me wrong. They're they're good. But I don't love them as much as I did when I was yeah. you know, 12. Oh, well, the police is also one of those bands that like really got caught up in the like our generation's like 80 nostalgia, 80s nostalgia yeah, in the early 2000s. True. So they got like they got like burnt out again. You know, I agree with that. It's totally like one of those things. If you were being gatekeepy back then, you'd be like, oh, well, you like the police. But have you heard Peter Gabriel? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> um, like I don't need to listen to message in a bottle or every breath you take ever again but there's still police songs i love yeah oh yeah cool very cool let's move on to weekly recommendations you got some yeah i do i'm Um, excited because i see your first one is also on my list and i was worried you were gonna hate it no okay yeah so the first one on my list is ceo by snoop dogg yeah um and I listen to it. I like it. It's obviously not like, you know, any artist who's been around forever. Like they're probably not going to put out like their greatest songs towards the end of their career. Yeah. Um, A lot of their stuff's going to be earlier on, but I was, I was very excited to see Snoop Dogg put out a song. That's a Snoop Dogg song. It's not Snoop Dogg on guesting on this. He Snoop Dogg has become like the Travis Barker, (laughs) <laughs> of hip hop where he's just on any song he doesn't care he's doing he's doing um and he's probably making a ton of money but he i've i, I can't tell you i've seen at least three or four mobile game ads where you can still see the logo for cameo where someone paid snoop dog to say oh man i love candy crush like or whatever uh so like He's yeah, he's definitely out. So to see him just do a solo like gangster rap song, um, that's pretty good. Like I, um, I was excited to see it. Um, I, it'd be cool if he had another album come out. I was hesitant because I haven't. He's kept putting out. He keeps putting out music. Like he's put yeah. out albums. I haven't liked anything he's put out since like there were some songs on them. I'm looking at the Mac and Devin go to high school soundtrack that were all right. Mm-hmm. And before that, his uh, Ego Trippin' album had some fun songs, but everything I like about him was really early in his career. Yeah. But I did enjoy the song. Like, I put it on my weekly list, and then the fact that I listened to it like four or five times this week, like not skipping it, just like jamming to it, I'm like, all right, I'm down with this song. I like this song a lot. That's how I know I like a rap song is if I can listen to it more than twice. It's funny that I say that, but he's actually like, he actually puts out. Yeah, he puts out a, a he lot puts of out albums. an album like every year, and I think <laughs> maybe that's part of the problem. Like, um, I didn't even know a bunch of these existed. Exactly. That's that's the problem. I feel like I so. I want to hear this Never Left album. It looks like it's inspired by old, but who knows. Yeah, I feel like there was a good song on that album. I don't, I don't know, but it definitely doesn't change the fact that he's like guesting on like a ton Everything. of stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I like that. Um, my next one, Juliana Theory put out another one of their reimagined songs. Uh, We're at the top of the world. It's off that. It's a reimagined song off of that album of theirs that I can't remember now. You you, you know the name though. 
you keep bringing this up, and I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. I think you even showed me one. Yeah, I did. No, I played one on one of the episodes. It's they've re-released a bunch of songs from 2000s. Emotion is dead. Yeah. They've done, you know, they've done uh, in Into the Dark. They've done Don't Push Love Away. They've done We're at the Top of the World. And I think they did. If I told you this was killing me, would you stop? I think they did that one too. And they're all they're they're cool. They're different. Um, so I love that original album, and I like the one you showed me, but I still have not got around to like listening to these other new tracks. I need to do that this week. I'm putting that in my notes. Okay, Juliana Theory, listen to it finally. Yeah. Uh, um, this last week was the, I think, 21st anniversary of when um, the release of. Melanie C's like most successful solo <laughs> single um, from 1999. Um, it's a song called Never Be the Same Again. And it was actually a duet with Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. Um, and so Melanie C's first solo album came out like the year after Spice World. So Spice Girls are still pretty hot. And it, so it came out like right in between that and then their last album that didn't do as well, but still did decently. Um, I've actually heard a whole thing about how that album didn't do well because it wasn't supported by the label and promoted. But anyway, um, so that's the, her, her first solo album was um, went platinum and this single was a platinum single too. And, uh, but so she, she did a, an acoustic version of it that came out in honor of that um, anniversary. And it's pretty good. Uh, just like, the other acoustic Spice Girls hit she did was pre- a couple weeks ago was pretty good, or maybe a month ago, or whatever. Um, and I would love for her to just continue to remaster, like do new versions of old songs, um, you know, because she her vocals are still great and she can still do those songs. So it's a fun way to like get new music and also be uh, nostalgic. So I'm I'm here for it. Uh, so if you like the Spice Girls or Melanie C, I would check that out. Get it, girl. And then my last one is uh, Kiara and Steve A- uh, Steve Aoki featuring Wiz Khalifa used to be. Have you heard this? No, I'm, I just put it in my list to listen to because I've not heard it. Okay. But can you I like play it? you? Can I yeah, play you play some. a piece of this? Yeah. So I want to tell you before I play this that I played this. It was on my it was on my weekly recommends, and I think that's because I liked a Steve Aoki song. So now he's like, Spotify's like, you love Steve Aoki. Here's all of his songs ever. Really? Um, it's not because of Wiz Khalifa. No, I like no, it's because I no, it's because I play that. Uh, no, I know I like Wiz too, but I'm. It's because I play that um, Fall Out Boy with uh, Steve oh. Aoki song quite a bit because it's pretty good. But anyway, so yeah, so I, the thing that I was going to say is this came up in my my um, weekly recommends or whatever and uh, release radar. And uh, I was playing it and I was like, I don't really know what this is. And I was just about to, to switch it when I got to the chorus and then I play it for me. Let it keep playing. Let's do this. Scrolling through the pictures, feeding my addiction, sick of all the fake love. Shouldn't drink the Kool-Aid, but I think it's too late. Guess I gotta stay up. Some days I just hate myself Wish that I was someone else Stuck inside this prison cell Can someone help, someone help Cause I'm not crazy, I'm 
Little unwell. Ooh. Tell. Okay, okay. Matchbox 20 is relevant again. <laughs> I was like, what? oh my God, wait. I was like, it, it came on and I, and I immediately started singing along because I recognized it. And then, but I, I couldn't, in that moment, I was like driving to work. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't place it. And then like when it all clicked, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> it was very, very, very cool. So, um, and the rest of the song, uh, like her verses are pretty, are, are decent. And then, you know, she does the chorus again and, and then Wiz has like a, a, a decent rap on it. And it has I was like about a, to ask how Wiz's part was. No, it's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like that. And it makes me feel old for two different reasons, like at the same time <laughs> old, because it's like young, uh, like young artist music. And then also because they're like using the lyrics and vocal melody from a song from the nineties. So <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. 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 That's what I got this week. All right. Let me go through mine real quick. This was a much better week than last week. <laughs> yeah. So on Twitter, a bunch of people were talking about this band, Michigander. And the song Better, it's really good. Michigander. I know. That's what made me click on it because, you know, we're from Michigan. Um, Beartooth has a fucking great heavy song that just got released. I'm hoping this is gearing up for a new album. I remember, love. I've seen Beartooth twice live. I, I love most of the shit they put out. The song's called Devastation. Heavy as hell. Uh, another pretty good heavy song is Show Me the Body, the song Survive. Going into some indie pop here, we got Dad Sports, which I clicked on because of the name. I mean, Dad Sports. It's called Many Faces. That's fun. Hail the Sun, Major Mark is a good song. Foxing. Do you know who Foxing is? I feel yeah. like you have to because Joe posts about him all the time on Twitter. Yeah, no, I know about them because of my young friends. Yeah. Yep. yep. So... I think I, I might have even seen them once. They were doing like a, a weird like check out our new music by signing up for an email and figuring out a bunch of clues. And I got lazy and I was just like, I'll just wait for it to come out. But it's with the band Y, which I love the band Y. I have one of their shirts with like a hand cut severed. It's a fun shirt. But the song's called Speak with the Dead. Um, we already said Snoop Dogg. A song called, I, I hate the name of the song. It's stupid. T-D-H-2-S by the group Magnolia Park. It's a really fun song, though, but that song title's dumb. And then the biggest music event of this week is John Batista. Batista. I don't want to say Batista because that's the wrestler. I don't know. Maybe that's how you pronounce his last name. He did the music for the movie Soul, and he's also like an established musician all around. But he dropped an album called We Are, and it's amazing. Is it uh, J O N? It's Baptiste. Baptiste. There's no E. There's no. There's no. Oh yeah. There's no A. So that whole album, We Are, is amazing. Have you listened to any of his stuff? No. Just can I have you put something on? Yeah. Hold on. Put on the song I Need You, just to get an idea of what we're dealing with here. 
Oh, that's not even who. <laughs> that's not even who I looked when I looked it up. I looked <laughs> up something else. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you would say that. It might be Batiste. Have you seen the movie Soul? Not the new yet. Pixar. Yeah. All right, you playing the song? Yeah. 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 Here. Tell me this doesn't give you good vibes for spring. I like it. Yeah, I know there, there's something was there was some breakdown happening there, but I think you'd love the whole album. It's so good. Oh, I'll check it out. My spring album right now. Uh, what's your what the fucks? You got a few, and also I had Snoop Dogg. But yeah, no, you said that. We talked about that. Yeah, I have uh, two what the fucks. The only one I wrote down is uh, Justin Bieber Peaches. We'll get into Bieber in a second. First off, someone on Twitter posted about the new rise against song that just came out and said what happened to rise against they've become the nickelback of punk and then listening to the new song the chorus almost sounds like look at this photograph only in rise against style and i can't get that out of my head now and rise against is kind of ruined for me did you see that tweet or something (laughs) no uh rise against has never was never been like one of my favorites so i loved early rise against like real i had him on my political like the screamy i like some of their stuff but you know whatever i saw him once i saw him at uh they were they played night 89 x stole christmas once i think yeah i think i saw him that year too take back sunday yep all right yeah my other one was a little band I used to like back in the early punk of well, the late 2000s punk stuff that I didn't like. The Main. Do you remember mm. the band The Main? I remember them, but I was never into them. They were pretty good in their early pop punk days. This new song called Sticky. It's. Uh, it's like if Maroon 5 did a little popular punk sound. It's garbage. I'm sorry to people that like the main because I know they have a pretty strong following, but did not like this one. And then now let's get into Bieber. So I haven't listened to the rest of the album. I listened to the whole thing. I didn't love it. (laughs) So I'm guessing that from your, you know, because we've talked. So we've talked about this, that he puts out a lot of garbage but he does put out good songs and you know i'm guessing that more of this album is like yummy and less of it is like anyone but then weren't you the one that sent me the article on anyone oh how anyone is the same uh it's the same melody and uh vocal it's the same vocal melody and like um key as a toto song called going home Yep. Going after, home. I know. I realize this probably the producers. I, oh, I, yeah. I try to be mean to Justin, but I don't think Justin's Nine smart enough. Nine people wrote that song. Yeah. I don't think Justin's smart enough to be like, ooh, that Toto song. I'm going to work the shit out of that and make it my own. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, a, there was a, a lot of bad songs. I did like 
I don't remember. I think the one with Chance the Rapper was okay, but other than that, I didn't like the album. Which is fine. And also, let's talk about the controversy over the name of the album, which I find very interesting. Well, what is the name of the album? So the name of the album is Justice. And mm. on the album, it's the J-U-S with a cross for the T-I-C-E. There is a French electronic group with the name Justice that has that same logo. Normally, you could almost look past this. But in an article published by Justice's manager and proof, Justin's team emailed that band like last year asking about their graphic designer, their artists, like, and they responded. Then he never responded or their team never responded. They copped that whole style. Like, so what is the, the band Justice? J-U-S-T-I-C. You know them maybe from the song Dance. It's not something in your wheelhouse, so you might not know them a lot. But anyways, they sent a cease and desist order to Justin the night before this album dropped. So I'm like waiting to see what happens with all this. Because they have that copyrighted, but it's over in Europe. And I don't know. How do international copyright rules follow? I think it depends on the country. Because I know, like, I think some... I don't know, man. I mean, the the the. Mm. Look at the older style of. I'm no, I'm looking at it. I mean, I get it, but I think th- what I read the article is the album for Justin Timberlake or Justin Timberlake. Rude. Sorry, Justin Bieber does not say Justin Bieber on it. It just says Justice. No, it says Justin Bieber. I Where? can see it. It's like oh, real on small. the very bottom. Maybe they yeah. added that because I don't remember seeing that before. Because that was one of the things is like it looks like a Justice album because of that. Like how big the name Justice is on it. I don't know. Also, it's a garbage album from what I've heard. Yeah, I do love the green tone of the album cover, though. Yeah, but then they're just copying Third Eye Blind. (laughs) You use the same color as us. (laughs) Or no, wait, is, is that Eve six? No, not Eve six. Eve the rapper? No, not the rapper. You've brought up Eve before, so. <laughs> I have. Those bear claws, man. They're hooked in me. All right. That's all I got for weekly roundup. Unless you have more you want to. Nope. That's that's all I got. You excited about next week's album? Uh, cautiously, yeah. I know. We shouldn't get our hopes up. I mean, yeah. I did, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm sure, like. I'm sure it'll have good songs on it, but I, you know, nothing is ever guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, their last album I loved all the way through, so. Yeah. No, true. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the Room for Error, I, I feel like, is probably lower. Um, I think I just say that because I know that they're an artsy. They're a little bit artsy, those guys, so. You and you're not liking artsy. <laughs> so everyone knows we're talking about Death from Above 1979. Their new album, One Plus One, comes out we're not not the, no the album's called something else not called one plus one and the love or for the love or something for the love of money <laughs> no oh wait i didn't their last album was good but it wasn't the one i'm thinking the physical world was the so super good. epic that's album. the one that got i don't think did they not have 1979 in their name anymore no but it's still on spotify uh uh, their new album is called Is the Number 4 
Lovers. Okay. Yeah. Word. It comes out um, this, this Friday. This Friday. So we will be so, reviewing it next Sunday. Yeah. So we're going to cram, 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 cram on Friday and Saturday so we can uh, 10 tracks, 31 minutes. Now, you're basically going to get my first listen because I work Friday and Saturday. So Sunday, I'm going to sit down with it, take it That's in fine. deep, and you're going to get my first impression review of it. Yeah. But a, a thorough one. A thorough. Thorough. Justin Thorough. <laughs> you, um, you've been like instrumental in me uh, being a fan of this group because I, I had never heard of them. I No, that, I take that back. I had heard... Uh, What's the song? I had heard Trainwreck 1979 because it was on my NHL uh, video game, whatever year that was. And I liked it, but I didn't never like looked into the band or anything. And then like not long after we moved in together, you were like, I don't know if you had just picked up the physical world or whatever, but you were playing and I was like, this is awesome. And then you and uh, Aaron were telling me about this band, and then like Aaron had like extra tickets, so we were able to go to go yeah. see them, oh, which man, was, that was really such cool. A good show. And um, at the at the Crowfoot, that was yeah, that was awesome. Um, Did you ever listen to Your Woman? I'm a Machine. I, I really haven't. I know it's just I so stupid. Back in the day, the song Black History Month had like the coolest like guitar sound, and I was like, oh my god, what is this? And that's what got me into them. Yeah, and, and then I and then I space, I've seen them again too. I saw them with uh, Mike and I think Mike, Joe, and my friend Cam that I'm not sure that you've met. You've um, seen he's them another one of th- me. Yeah, I and I I think I talked to you about it. Like you either you weren't going for some reason. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I but I definitely remember talking to you about it. Wow, hurt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's um, what we're doing next yeah. week, kiddos. I don't want to talk then, too much about them because yeah. we're gonna do it next week. When you bought me their last album for my birthday, too. Yeah. The year it came out. I think it was like brand new, too. The Outrage. Yeah. Yeah. Or out- outrage Now or something like that. Outrage is Now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it must have just come out because it came out in September. It came out like literally like a month and a couple days before my birthday. So I remember that. We met you I up at that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you had a bunch of people I didn't know and it felt weird. <laughs> you know them all now. Yeah. I think yeah, you I know all know. those people now. Actually, Cam was probably there that day. So, Cool, cool. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beside Ourselves, where Josh hated on one of my favorite albums. Hey, man. Big Time is a great song. Hey, you know what's going to be really cool for you? You're going to be able to get your your payback here next month because uh, you've agreed to let me do a wrestling uh theme song entrance music uh list episode so you're gonna be able to liquid shit all over all all of that uh if you want that's gonna be the one day or one podcast i have to do the most research because yeah no totally besides like i don't know the hardy boys and stone cold and all the different undertaker ones i don't know a lot of theme music that's fine i mean you can pick from your own experience it's like your it'll be your 10. It's not going to be just like what are actually the greatest 10. It's going to be your opinion. So I don't remember if I like it, but Gangriel or Gangriel? Gangrel? He's like, I remember the image the brood, of him man. coming out. Yeah. Edging Christian know, used to be in his research. little faction. I'm not going to pick a song 
by how good it is, I'm going to pick a song on how well it goes with the person coming out. Well, that's part of it, though. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, was, I, thought I mean, we were just I would say, music. like, it doesn't matter that a song is, like, a song is really good or not. It's, like, it's all of that stuff's going to be tied into the wrestler, your experiences and feelings about the wrestler. Like, you know, there's a there's a ton of stuff that would go into that. And, you know, it'll be fun. What did, what did CM Punk always come out to? Um, well, so I don't know. I just assume it's got to be good punk music. He so he came out to one part of his career in WWE. He came out to uh, this fire burns by Kill Switch Engage, and oh. then and then when he he was gone, um, and he like took the title with them, and it was a whole thing. And then when he came back, he came. He started coming out to uh, Cult of Personality by Living Color. Man, I really expected it to be like Rancid or H2O or some shit. Yeah, well, especially he's friends with Rancid, so yeah. with Lars. Um, Lars today. Fredericks and the Bastards? Mm-hmm. Oh. All right, well, thanks, guys. Let's wrap this up. I got another podcast to do. I keep doing oh, this no! on Sunday. Okay, wrap it up. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week when we are doing the uh, Death From Above new album. Is for lovers. Hopefully. Bye. Check it in. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beside Ourselves. Beside Ourselves is written and recorded by Danny Lowens and Josh Schramm. Beside Ourselves is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can follow and interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at B underscore SidePod. If you have an album or music topic you want us to cover on a future episode, be sure to slide into those DMs and let us know. The intro music for today's show is by Former Critics. Check them out at formercritics.bandcamp.com.